Hey, it's Robert from Hacks on Tap. Today we're doing things a bit differently and bringing you a preview from a new podcast we're enjoying, Story of the Week with journalist Joel Stein. We all wish we had the time and attention span to leisurely parse through the latest in long-form journalism, but the reality is most of us don't. Joel, however, does and is sharing his findings with all of us. Each week, Joel chooses an article that fascinates him, convinces the writer of said article to tell him all about it, and then interrupts a perfectly good conversation by mostly talking about himself. The stories Joel covers might be one everyone is talking about, like that New Yorker article about smoking hallucinogenic toads. Or it could be a story you missed, like The Verge's piece about a rock groupie turned hacker who had huge corporations at her mercy. Whether it's about politics or entertainment news, it'll always be a story you tell your friends about. A story that sticks with you long after you forgot whatever headline you just doom scrolled through. And like Hacks on Tap, it'll always be incisive and entertaining. In this preview, Joel is joined by Douglas Rushkoff to talk about his experience speaking to a group of tech billionaires in the middle of the desert. He thought he'd be chatting about the latest in tech advancements, but all these guys wanted to do was talk about building doomsday bunkers. And it wasn't so much the apocalypse they were worried about, but what to do if their security guards revolted against them. All right, here's the clip. We hope you enjoyed as much as we did. You can hear the full episode and more from Story of the Week wherever you get your podcasts. The Story of the Week is... Survival of the Richest by Douglas Rushkoff, published on Medium. Congratulations, Douglas. Congratulations, Medium. Congratulations to the richest. To be absolutely clear, I am not rooting for a nuclear war. However, a bunker does seem kind of fun. I mean, in the same way that living in an RV is sort of a fantasy, like the idea of having to live in a bunker just seems kind of cozy and and simplified and intimate and sort of like the way a weighted blanket is. So I'm kind of ashamed to say that I had a little bit of empathy for the billionaires who are building bunkers who are rightfully skewered in this amazing Douglas Rushkoff article, Survival of the Richest. So I've known Douglas just a little bit over 25 years. He's a professor and he's one of those guys who was super into the internet in the 90s and thought it was going to save us all in some kind of like hippie, utopian, rave party way and then got his heart broken when social media kind of started and now hates all of the internet. Anyway, Douglas's story about the bunkers of billionaires begins with this kind of mysterious invitation that he got. So because you are our... Uh, our internet sage, our modern philosopher, you get invited to do speaking gigs that are yeah. uh, much better than the speaking gigs I get invited to. <laughs> and you were invited to a particularly good one. You said it was like uh, you were being paid like half of your professor's salary for one speaking gig. How much was that? It's like $40,000. Could you imagine? $40,000, that's like Hillary Clinton money, right? Or I no, guess no, no, she, no. She, she gets way that. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flatter yourself. It's oh, well. a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. So the speaking gig starts out pretty normal, except for how much he's getting paid. He's flown business class to some really nice hotel out west in the middle of the desert somewhere. So he's waiting in the green room when five guys walk in. He thinks they're there to mic him up before he goes to speak in some big auditorium. 
they bring these five guys into the little hexagonal room and they sit around this table and they just sit down. And I'm like, oh, so when are we doing the talk? And they're like, oh, this is, this is it. And I'm like about to like open my mouth to, to start talking. And one of the guys goes, so Bitcoin or Ethereum? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? And he said, well, which, which do you favor? Why would they need you for that? Exactly. What I, whenever I get one of those kind of talks, I know who it's for, right? It's right. for rich kind of hedge fund tech investor dudes. And usually what I try to do is convince them that capitalism will kill us all. So it's a, some speech where you excoriate them and then they pay you. It's like an SNME kind of thing. It is. They do like to be excoriated. So they asked me that. They asked me, are Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, you know, very sort of binary betting questions. You know, like, what, which, which do I think is better? Which, where, which is going to dominate? And they, they go around like that for a while until they finally get to the, the big question, Alaska or New Zealand. Like, where should they put their bunker? And it's like my jaw drops. They're actually, these guys have come to a, a Marxist media theorist to, to give them strategies on surviving what they called the event. The event, as in the end of the world. Writing is hard. Who's got that kind of time when you're already busy trying to be Joe Stein? So he turns on a mic, maybe twiddles a knob, calls a journalist friend who's got an actual job. Auditory, single story, just listen to smart people speak. Conversation filled with information, it's the story of the week. So these really rich guys are asking Douglas how to plan for the event. The event's this general term for any society ending disaster. Everyone's got their favorite end-of-the-world scenario. Might be nuclear war, climate change, electromagnetic pulse, pandemic, revolution of the proletariat, artificial intelligence robots turning on their human masters, Pushkin canceling this podcast. So there's Douglas Rushkoff, the author, podcaster, media theorist, and apparently uh, therapist to billionaires with anxiety issues, sitting in this room being asked for advice for reasons I don't completely understand about how to deal with the apocalypse. One of them said their, their actuaries or whoever and their insurance division had calculated there's a 20% chance of a global catastrophe in their lifetimes. So they were going to take 20% of their capital and put it towards ways of surviving that. That doesn't sound absolutely crazy to me. I'm not saying they're absolutely crazy. Okay. I'm saying they're, this is fucked up though. And the, the part that's, that's uncomfortable about it for me is not simply that they are preparing for what they believe is the inevitable catastrophe. It's that so many of them actually want this to happen. So many of them are harboring a fantasy oh. to have any excuse whatsoever to play this kind of survival of the richest game. First of all, are these all dudes? Everyone yeah, involved in this? Of course they're all dudes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're all dudes. But, but what we actually spent the most of the hour on was, yep. I, then I said to them, I said, well, you know, so they were talking about, I, 
their scenarios and what they had. And they all of them basically had a retreat somewhere that they would go to. I asked them, aren't you guys? I thought you guys had rocket ships. And they're like, oh, no, we're low level billionaires. You know, that's like, you know, Musk and Branson have rocket ships. The best we could do is maybe get a seat on Branson's thing. But that's not that's beyond. We could just we're going to have to just hunker down, hire a bunch of Navy SEALs and protect ourselves. And then they all are obsessed. Navy Navy SEALs. SEALs. I know that's because they read. um, What is up with that? They read like Jamie Wheel and some other people. They've all like trained Navy SEALs, you know, the mindset of the Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs kind of represent for them a kind of a almost a stock market mentality, you know, a, a killer be killed mindset. Navy SEALs, you put the you know the knife in your mouth and but the Army the Rangers get no love. No, it's Navy like, SEALs. They're pretty badass. I know, and they're tough. You know, they then I said to them like they've never thought of this. I said, well, why are the Navy SEALs going to follow your orders once your money is worthless? And it's like stop them cold. And they were like, oh fuck, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Why are they going to fight? And then the whole thing started to go through all these scenarios. Like, well, what if I'm the only person who knows the combination to the safe, where the food is? Or uh, what if we have something like we've implanted everybody with a chip for their security, but we could use that to punish them, kind of like a shock collar? And then I said, well, what if you treat your Navy SEALs really nicely today? Like, get your, go to your head of security, pay for his daughter's bat mitzvah today. And it's going to be a lot harder for him to shoot you between the eyes when you're in the bunker later. Douglas, none of the head of securities are Jewish. Let no, me assure you. but the you. metaphor. You understand yes, no, the analogy. Yes, yes. And, but, but they laughed at it, not just because I was talking about a bat mitzvah, but because they understood that what I was trying to do as my kind of anarcho-syndicalist, loving, rabbinical self was suggest to them that if they were actually nice to other people, rather than externalizing all the harm to everybody else, that maybe they wouldn't have to somehow protect themselves from the rest of the world. I read one billionaire talking to other billionaires about this. And the way he made your point was he said, well, you're going to want to invite your pilot and their family into your bunker because you need your pilot. And of course, you're going to want all of the uh, maintenance aerospace people and their families to be in your bunker. And, that, and then basically he worked his way down until you're including everyone in society because you can't, even the king when he built a castle was dependent on like the surf farmers. You can't yeah. divorce yourself from society. No, these guys are not thinking straight. They really aren't. That's why it's a fantasy. One of them showed me plans of this bunker that he's having built under the ground, and it had an indoor swimming pool, Sweet. and he had this natural light thing over it. And I'm like, oh, you know, I got a neighbor who put in a swimming pool, and he's always having trouble, you know, with the filter and the heat and the parts. <laughs> Where are you going to be getting your replacement filter parts? And he's like, huh. And I see him jot down replacement filter parts, like on his little pad. I'm like, dude, you need a working society to get replacement filter parts for your friggin' hot tub and, they, and and I can understand if they're thinking what are they going to somehow hold out for a year in their little bunker mm-hmm. and then you come out and what's there but no they're actually thinking this is like it did you like these guys at all no ultimately no I did not okay. I did not and I get along with a lot of different kinds of tech guys um, I didn't and, and I think the reason I didn't was the way they reacted to my provocations was very brittle. You know, I I felt like they didn't want to really talk. They didn't want to have their vision of their bunker strategies genuinely challenged. I get that. No one wants their entire bunker strategy questioned. 
But Douglas's critique of bunker strategies was just getting started because he was going to accidentally find out way more about them. That was a preview of Story of the Week with Joel Stein from Pushkin Industries. Find Story of the Week wherever you get your podcasts.